On this prequel episode, we've got our Stir of Echoes fan poll follow-up. We're learning about animals in movies and previewing Babe. Hello and welcome back to this Films Like the Podcast, where we talk about movies that are based on books. On this prequel episode, we've got uh, a few things to get to, so let's just get right into our patron shout-outs. We have one new patron this week, Valentine, I assume is how you would say that, spelled like the day. <laughs> spelled like it, yeah. Uh, who is a coming in at the Hugo Award-winning $5 level, uh, which means they get access to our bonus content. So hope you enjoyed our acrimony review. As always, we have our Academy Award-winning patrons, and they are Jeff Niederhofer, Winchester's Forever, Kelly Napier, Gray Hightower, Eli Young, Scratch, Just Scratch, Shelby Says Black Lives and Trans Lives Matter, Learning with TFIL is my favorite class this semester, and Alina Deletkolova. Thank you, as always, to you magical people who support us over at patreon.com slash thisfilmislit. Uh, yeah, that's what we got for our patrons. Let's go ahead and see what people had to say about Stir of Echoes. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like, uh, your opinion, man. Okay, so first off, I want to note that technically neither our Facebook or Twitter polls have closed yet. Oh, we're recording this early. We're recording because... this early because we're getting va- our second vaccine doses. And we know we're both going to be knocked out of it for at least a day or so, probably. So yeah. we recorded early. So I, I don't think we'll probably get any more votes. It seems like that has already kind of yeah. petered out. Um, Facebook also betrayed me yet again. And I set the the closing time for the poll to be today. And then when I, after I hit published, it was like, <laughs> closing in one week. Sweet. And I was like, thanks, Facebook. So speaking of Facebook, uh, over on that platform, we had two votes. Both of them were for the movie. And we did get some feedback from Sarah, who said, First off, thank you guys so much for taking up my suggestion. I'm very glad that you enjoyed the movie. It was one of my first, one of the first horror movies I ever saw, and I loved the chance to revisit it after all this time and to read the book upon which it was based. I am also going to have to go with the movie on this one. I was pretty surprised that it differed in so many ways from the book, but I think that the movie was an improvement on the book's themes in a lot of areas. There was definitely an interesting focus in the underlying horror of suburbia in both narratives, but the movie's more modern setting made the changes to the story behind the ghost and her fate a lot more visceral and poignant to me. I also really like that they aged the son up to make him a more active participant in the story, that they made the incident with the babysitter have narrative weight, and that Tom's powers and interest slash obsession with the ghost were more focused and narratively satisfying in the end. Not to mention, although I'm certain it was more because the book is a product of its time, there was a through line of paternalistic misogyny in the book's narrative that I found more than a little off-putting, so I'm glad that the movie strayed away from a lot of the scenes and characterizations that could have given it a similar vibe. The movie also held up a lot better than I expected, and the hypnosis scene in the movie theater is still one of the most memorable scenes of any movie I have ever watched. I had forgotten a lot of what happened in this movie, but that scene has always stuck with me. Awesome. Lots of uh, great feedback. A lot of it very Mm -hmm. similar to what we discussed in the episode. 
Uh, one thing we didn't touch on was the misogyny in the book. Did you get that vibe? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I meant to bring that up, and I forgot to include <clears throat> it in my notes. Yeah. Um, but there's, yeah, definitely a lot of moments in the book that date it. Yeah. In a, in a rather unpleasant way. <laughs> On Twitter, we had six votes for the movie, uh, plus two people who said that they had not watched or read. Um, and we did have a few comments. April Edmansky, mm-hmm. at April Edmansky, who was just on our NeverEnding Story episodes, said, We thought it was weird that the ghost told him to dig, but the body was in the wall. Dig implies going down, <laughs> not sideways. And he got through that brick wall so easily, by accident, really. Uh, it does imply that the ghost knew that during the process of digging in the basement, he would accidentally... Yeah. <laughs> knock a hole in the wall i mean to be fair i can't think of like an easy impactful command that the ghost could give to have him go for the wall yeah yeah for sure dig makes an impact yeah it's one word it's easy it's simple it's dramatic if it was just yeah i don't even know what i don't even know what you would say yeah there's not a one word word plus he has to dig in the backyard for a yeah, while before, have have before going for the yeah, house you have to have the backyard digging montage which is uh, <laughs> adds some tension and we also had a comment from ian from wine country he him at uh, ic zorro who said i was a fan of richard matheson as a teen but it's definitely dated old time reading the movie was an appropriate and entertaining update I'm sure it's on your list, but Matheson also wrote I Am Legend, a movie which totally ruins the whole point of the story. Mm-hmm. I have not seen I Am I've Legend. I've seen I Am Legend, so but I've never read the book, so I wouldn't know. Can't to compare, comment or, on that. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to compare it. So yeah. I remember thinking the movie was okay, not like loving mm-hmm. it. I saw it like when it came out in theaters, but I, and I remember very little about it. But uh, I remember thinking it was like, okay, like, oh, fine. I'm sure we'll get to that one at yeah. some point. Um it has a German Shepherd in it, so I'm sure it'll upset me. Oh, yeah. We can't watch that movie. Uh, we can't watch the movie. <laughs> I just remembered. Maybe you could do it by yourself. Uh, duh, yeah, we definitely <laughs> can't watch the movie. <laughs> 100%. We can never do I Am Legend. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we can never do I Am Legend. Definitely not. <laughs> and on Instagram, we had five votes for the movie. And Corinne Neva said, I haven't read the book, but I saw the movie several times and really enjoyed it each time. Ghost slash murder movies are a crapshoot, so it was nice to see one that was engaging. There you go. All right. So that ultimately we ended up with a shutout. Yeah. Maybe the first time ever. Definitely in a long time Mm -hmm. that we've had a full on shutout. We ended up with 13 votes for the movie to the book's big fat goose egg. Yeah. I'm not particularly surprised. I'm, I don't think this is a very commonly, like, well-known book. Uh-uh. So. No, I agree. And I I also don't think it's a very super well-known movie, to yeah. be fair. But uh, clearly more people had seen the movie. Uh, awesome. All right. It's time now to learn a little bit about animals in the movies. No matter what anybody tells you, words and ideas can change the world. So initially I went into this trying to come up with or look for some like background like on on, on the like a timeline like the history of, and timeline of yeah. animals in the movies and I was having trouble finding kind of what I was looking for 
So ultimately, I found a couple articles that had some interesting information about just like some of the first and biggest animals in movies mm-hmm. that I thought was interesting. So that's where this is going to go. Uh, this is the direction we're going to go here. Uh, and this was the thing that led to that. And I thought this was interesting that the first film to feature a dog as the main character. And from my research, that made it the first film to fe- first film to feature any animal as the main character uh, was the 1905's Rescued by Rover. It's a British short silent film directed by Lewin Fitzhammond. The film features Blair, a collie, who tracks down and rescues a kidnapped baby. Following the film's release, Blair apparently became a household name. Uh, The film, which according to Michael Brooks of BFI Screen Online, quote, marks a key stage in the medium's development from an amusing novelty to the seventh art. Hmm. And possibly the only point in film history where Britain's cinema unquestionably led the world. world. (laughs) So little bit of shade on <laughs> British cinema there, <laughs> or at least British cinema since 1905. Uh, it was an advance in filming techniques, editing, production, and storytelling. So uh, the second big animal movie star that I could find. So that was apparently the first, 1905, first time that a movie had an animal as like other, like there were animals in other movies, obviously, mm-hmm. before that time, but like is like the main character. Right. Um, the star. Yes, the star. Uh, the second big animal movie star was another collie named Jean. Uh, so collies, going back a long time, have been the one of the preferred film interesting dogs. One of the reasons. I mean, they're very smart dogs, yeah. very trainable. Um, was another collie named Jean, also known as the Vitagraph dog. Vitagraph Studios was the company that produced the films that this dog was in. Uh, Jean starred in 25 films from 1910 to 1915, including a run of self-titled films like Jean and the Calico Doll, Jean the Matchmaker, Jean Goes Fishing, and Jean and the Wife. Like, W-A-I-F? Wife? Like the one from Game of Thrones? <laughs> I don't know what that one is. Probably um, an orphan. Ah, yes, that would make sense. That she saves an orphan in that movie or something like that. Uh, uh, Sadly, all of these are lost films, except for three of them. Gene the Matchmaker, uh, Gene Rescues, and a film called Playmates. Hmm. Uh, The rest of them, though, have been lost to time. We'll never know what happened to the waif. Uh, the most famous dog in early Hollywood would definitely be Rin Ten Ten. This is the the start the of the big name animal, you know, stars. Uh, nicknamed Rinty, which I did not have never heard. I've I mean, never I've heard, heard of Rin Ten yeah, Ten, but I had never heard that Rinty was the a nickname. Rinty appeared in 27 films throughout his career, and his popularity in those films led to a huge surge in the amount of German shepherds that people kept as pets. Rinty started appearing in films after being rescued from a battlefield in World War I and trained by an American soldier named Lee Duncan. It was rumored, and I'm sure this is not well-founded, but I thought it was interesting, that in 1929, Ren Ten Ten received the most votes for the first Best Actor Oscar <laughs> Academy Award, but it was ultimately decided that the award should go to a human. Boo. Should have <laughs> given it to Ren Ten Ten. Uh, Ren Ten Ten did eventually go on to receive the key to New York City and has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, here's a fun one that I found for you, Katie, which I thought was interesting. Jimmy the Crow. Oh. Jimmy the Crow uh, is often credited as Jimmy the Crow, but in fact, Jimmy was a raven. That's not surprising. <laughs> uh, appeared in over a thousand films during mm. his 15-year career. Post-1938, Jimmy appeared in every single film that Frank Capra made, and he may be most recognizable from his appearance in It's a Wonderful Life. Oh. That's Jimmy the Crow, hmm. uh, the raven, who is a raven. <laughs> 
Um, Jimmy's very intelligent, could do all sorts of tricks, including typing, opening letters, and apparently riding a miniature motorcycle. I don't know what film that takes place in, but I want to see <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, on the set of It's a Wonderful Life, Jimmy Stewart claimed that the Raven was, quote, the smartest actor on the set. And when the call, uh, when they would call for Jimmy, we would both answer. <laughs> Uh, Jimmy the Crow also received a Red Cross gold medal for spending 200 hours entertaining veterans after World War II. Wow. So doing like the USF so, thing, I guess. Yeah. Um, Corvids, Corvids are very smart. Yes. Yeah. Um, and anyone who's confused about why that was a fun one for me specifically. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, it's because I really like Corvids yeah. and especially crows. Yeah. I think they're really cool. I want to be their friends. Yes. I had to get one cat one in here, uh, and this is a fun one. Orangey was a ginger tomcat who was the only cat to win the Patsy Award twice. And the Patsy stands for Picture Animal Top Star of the Year, which is not the most, like, well-written <laughs> acronym. Picture were, Animal. I feel like they were really trying to make it be, yeah. like, something you could pronounce. I guess they didn't want to call it the Fatsy for Film Animal <laughs> Top Star of the Year. I don't know. It's just... Also, Patsy <laughs> is such a strange... I wonder if Patsy was, like, a famous trainer or something. I didn't see any extra background I, on this. Yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe Patsy was a famous trainer, and then they wanted it to be the Patsy, and then they worked an acronym backwards from that. I don't know. Because Picture Animal Top Star of the Year is... Almost sounds like it's translated yeah. from, like, a, a, you know, a non-English <laughs> into like English. like Google Translate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's best known for his role in Breakfast at Tiffany's and was infamous for being a particularly mean cat that was known to bite and scratch co-stars as well as spontaneously run from the set, shutting down production until they were able to. <laughs> to sounds find about him. right. <laughs> yeah. Sounds about right. I thought that was super funny or not funny, but I just I love that it's like one of the he won all he's winning all these awards, but he's actually just a terrible. Like, yeah. He's not like a well-behaved cat. It's like. <laughs> This was the best cat, uh, movie cat you had. It's this one who just bites and scratches people all the time. Uh, uh, and, of course, no list of famous animals in film would be complete without Pal. And you may not know initially who Pal is, because you're like, what? Who's Pal? Pal was the very first dog to play Lassie in the 1943 film Lassie Come Home. 1,500 dogs auditioned for the role of Lassie, and Powell was originally rejected because of these reasons. One, he was male, and they wanted a female dog for the, for the lead. His eyes were too big, and they didn't like that he had a white streak like of coloring down his forehead. Uh-huh. Those three things, they were like, nope, we want a female, we don't like that coloring, and your eyes are too big, which is strange. You would think you that, would bigger, think that eyes bigger eyes would, be would not be not at a all deterrent. a deal breaker. No, that's in fact they would. You think they would want? I mean, generally, like with actors and actresses and stuff, yeah. bigger eyes is something we find appealing. But a female was original. A female collie was originally cast, and Powell was kept on as a stunt dog. They had this very uh, a particularly impressive stunt one day where he had to swim down a river, get out of the river. And then lie down exhausted without shaking, like, the water off mm. of his coat first. They needed him to stay wet and lay down and, like, act exhausted. And he did it in one take. And they're like, this dog's brilliant. And he became Lassie there. Wow. Knocked off the top dog and uh, <laughs> and was Lassie for, for the rest of his career. Pal died uh, of old age in 1958, uh, I believe at the age of, like, 18. Uh -huh. He was born in 1940. Uh, after a career that spanned 11 years and included seven films and two TV specials. Wow. So that is the story of Pal, uh, who played last scene. Um, so, yeah, that's just a, a little brief history of animals in movies. I didn't go into there was 
a lot of things you search is all from PETA. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. great. <laughs> so I didn't go into any of that. I thought this would just be a little more interesting and sort of a, a, bit of, a little bit of background in history of the beginning uh, and, and some of the more famous animals in movies. Um, we have a, I have a few fun facts about the animals and Babe coming up in the movie facts or specifically the pig, I guess. But anyways. All right. Now we're going to take a little bit of time to learn about the sheep pig slash babe, the gallant pig. When I first came to the boss's farm, it was a whole new world to me. Everyone here seemed to know their place. The boss and his wife, the sheep dogs, the sheep, and all the other animals. Well, almost. We've got to do something about that duck. Now I just have to figure out where I fit in. The Sheep Pig is a children's novel by Dick King Smith, first published in 1983 with illustrations by Mary Rayner. The novel is set in rural England, where King Smith spent 20 years as a farmer. So he was writing from personal experience with mm -hmm. this one. Uh, the first North American edition was published in 1985 under the title Babe the Gallant Pig. Now, I couldn't find anything that was like an official explanation for the title change, but I have a few guesses. Mm -hmm. Most obvious guess is that the publishers felt the original title like wouldn't grab kids' attention or that it might confuse them, yeah. similar to the title change of the first Harry Potter book. From Philosopher's Stone to yeah. Sorcerer's Stone, because sorcerer, American kids know what a sorcerer is. They don't understand why <laughs> Philosopher's Stone would be something they should be interested in. My other theory, which is a little bit more specific, is that they changed the title to make it reminiscent of Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. And I don't know how popular Charlotte's Web is over in England. Um, in America, it's very popular. It's like a children's literature staple. Yeah. And the plot of Charlotte's Web, for anyone who doesn't know, involves the pig, Wilbur, being labeled with various pos positive adjectives, like mm -hmm. terrific, radiant, and humble. So the word gallant in the title of Babe immediately evoked that to me. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder if they were trying to, like, get people to pick up on, like, oh, yeah. maybe this is like Charlotte's Web. So it's similar to Charlotte's yeah. Web. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good hypothesis. I also, somebody asked on Twitter or Facebook or something if we have, do, do we not have sheepdogs over here? Yeah. Um, because I assume that's what the sheep pig is in reference to. Yes. And we do. We but do. not nearly as common to the yeah, point where... Yeah, I think sheep, sheep herd uh, farming is not as common here, I think. I would say not nearly as common, probably. Or at least it doesn't seem like it. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a thing that happens. And and there are sheepdogs. And as a kid, I think I, I, would, I would have known what a sheepdog was. But I will say this. I don't think that seeing... What, I didn't put that together when I saw the mm -hmm. sheep pig. Like, in my head, I didn't go, yeah. oh, obviously they're replacing sheepdog... Like with right, pig. and I think that would definitely... In my head, I'm like, it's half sheep, half pig. <laughs> like, what is... You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, I don't know what it means. Because um, I don't get that obvious connection to sheepdog. Right, and I think that would probably be the concern, was that the connection wouldn't be immediately obvious yeah. Yeah. to a North American audience who's maybe less familiar with sheep farming. Yeah. Because, like, when I think of a sheepdog, honestly, too, like, my first thought is the breed 
old English sheepdog and oh. not like any dog that works with sheep. Interesting. Not me. I do think of like just any dog that works with sheep first, like mm-hmm. is the first thing, but it's just not something again, seeing sheep pig. That's not what comes into my head is, oh, yeah. clearly a sheep Right, <laughs> and you want the title of your book, like, you don't want the kid to have to stand there and puzzle over it, yeah. because they're probably not going to pick it up at yeah. that point. Yeah. Anyway, the book won the 1984 Guardian Children's Fiction Award, which is a British award given annually to one children's or young adult fiction book. It's awarded by a panel of authors, and I thought this was interesting. You can only win it once. Huh. Previous winners are not eligible to win again. Interesting. The book is only around 120 pages, and it's divided into 12 short chapters, making it ideal for early readers. And for Katie's trying to read something short before... Spoilers, babe. Oh, I'll cut that part out. Okay. Although King Smith is a rather prolific children's author uh, with 137 individual works, according to Wikipedia... He's probably best known and definitely internationally best known for The Sheep Pig, which has been continually reprinted throughout the years and published in 15 different languages. Wow, there you go. All right, that was a little bit about The Sheep Pig slash Babe the Gallant Pig. Now, let's find out a little bit about Babe the Film. From Universal Pictures comes the story of Babe. You look like an intelligent, sophisticated, discerning young fella. Who, me? The pig with the gift of gab. Nerves of steel. Get out of here, you, you big buttheads. And a heart. May I call you mom? Of gold. <laughs> Babe. Babe is a 1995 film directed by Chris Noonan, uh, also known for Stepping Out and Miss Potter, and written by George Miller, known for Mad Max Fury Road, Happy Feet, Mad Max, The Road Warrior, and Babe Pig in the City, among other things. It stars Magda Subansky, Christine Cavanaugh, James Cromwell, Roscoe Lee Brown, Hugo Weaving, Miriam Flynn, Russie Tyler, Taylor, Paul Livingston, Paul Goddard, John Irwin, and Miriam Margoyles. Or Margulis? Margulis, probably. Babe has a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, 83% on Metacritic, and a 6.8 on IMDb. It won an Oscar for Best Visual Effects and was nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor in a Supporting Role, Best Director, Best Writing, and Best Art Direction, and Best Editing. It won the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical. Wow. So a lot of awards. I didn't realize that it was that critically acclaimed when it came out. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I did not. I definitely didn't know it was nominated for Best Picture. I had no Mm -hmm. idea. Like that That one would surprise me the most out of all of them. The uh, film was a smash hit, making $254 million against a budget of just $30 million. Babe was in development for seven years before ultimately being filmed in Robertson, Australia. Uh, the visual effects were done by Rhythm and Hughes Studios and Jim Henson's Creature Shop. Hmm. When James Cromwell, uh, the, who was nominated for an Oscar for his performance in this film, uh, and who is like the farmer, I, mm-hmm. I believe, uh, was handed the screenplay for Babe. He thumbed through it to see how many lines he had. He saw he didn't have that many. He had only 171 words of spoken dialogue, and 61 of those were sung. He decided he would do it do it as a nice, easy film. Uh, what he didn't realize is that he would have more screen time in the film than any of uh, his previous films. So it was actually his most demanding film in terms of like <laughs> screen time presence, yeah. even though it had very little dialogue. 
48 pigs were used over the course of filming to portray Babe because they kept aging. Yeah. It was the main reason. They kept aging to the point where they would have to get... do pigs grow pretty fast. I think relatively quickly. And they need... Yeah. So they had to use 48 pigs over the course of filming Babe. Uh, And the film also had 56 animal trainers on set to handle nearly 1,000 animals over the course of the... A lot. That's a lot. A lot lot of animals. That's a lot. (laughs) A whole lot of animals. Uh, James Cromwell, who I mentioned earlier, a longtime vegetarian, apparently became a vegan after appearing in this movie. Hmm. Uh, And similarly, pork sales in the U.S. dropped apparently 20% after the film came out. I should note these are all IMDb trivia facts recently here. That may not be accurate. I don't know. But that was what is claimed. Uh, George Miller, uh, as I mentioned, had been who produced and wrote this movie. Uh, he directs the sequel, mm-hmm. um, uh, had been wanting to make this movie for 10 years, basically since the book came out roughly. Uh, but he had to wait for special effects technology to get to the point where he could actually put his vision to film. But he had, he had been like working on the script and stuff for roughly 10, you know, seven so or eight years. he was patient. Yes. Very he patient. Waited. He waited. Uh, and this is also random and f- weird. 1995, the year of the film's release, was the year of the pig on the Chinese Zodiac calendar. Perfect wow. timing. <laughs> it's like they <laughs> planned it. Maybe that's what he was waiting 10 years for. It's like, it's got to come out in the year of the pig. Because <laughs> it's like every, there's what, 12 of yeah. them? So it's like every 12-year yeah, so. cycle or something yeah. like that. There's a, It mm. repeats. Yeah. I'm pretty excited. I don't think I've ever seen this movie. I actually don't know. I'm sure I have, like, when I was younger. Like, you know, it came out when I was seven. I probably saw it around that time, but I don't think I've seen it since then. I'm pretty sure I've never actually seen it, although we had some other VHS when I was a kid that had the trailer for this at Mm -hmm. the beginning of it, and for some reason that trailer is, like, viscerally lives in my mind well i'll see if it's the one i find when i'm editing it it into the episode it starts with it starts with a a section of carnival of animals at the beginning and it's like creepy and there are mice singing blue moon at the end okay it lives in my head and i don't know why (laughs) i'll see if i can find that one and use that trailer in the in the episode Where can you watch it? Uh, As always, check your local library, or if you still have a local video rental store, check with them. You can stream it with a subscription through HBO Max, HBO, DirecTV, or HBO through Amazon Prime. Uh, Or you can rent it for $4 on Apple TV, Amazon YouTube, Voodoo, Redbox, DirecTV, AMC Theaters, On Demand, Alamo On Demand, etc., any of those rental services. Yeah, I'm excited, too. I'm interested to see, especially now looking back at how acclaimed it was. Yeah. Because that was not something that I remembered about the film. Um, I am interested to see what I think of it and how it holds up, especially visually, um, Mm -hmm. like, you know, with the effects and stuff, because it was it did win awards for it and was nominated a bunch. Uh, And I like I said, I think I saw it as a kid, have not definitely have not seen it since I was Mm -hmm. like seven or something. If I even if I even did. So I remember zero things about this movie. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I'm interested to see uh, see what we think about it. That is in one week's time. You can come right back and hear us talk about Babe, the gallant sheep pig (laughs) combine the titles there you go and then you got it all you got it all sorted people can figure it out until that time guys gals non-binary everybody else keep reading books keep watching movies and and keep keep being being awesome. awesome